Good morning. Welcome to Morrison Hill Christian Church. If you have not had the opportunity to meet me uh, yet, my name is Billy Canerium. I am the youth minister here. I've not been here for a terribly long time yet, so maybe you haven't had the opportunity yet, uh, or I haven't had the chance to hunt you down. Uh, but if we haven't yet, nice to meet you. This morning, we're going to be continuing in our series on ultimate authority. Uh, for several weeks, John has been talking about this idea of therefore. As I'm sure you've heard before, anytime you hear this word, therefore, you need to remember that it's referring to all of the things that came before that word to give context to everything that's coming after that word. In this case, this series has been a culmination of everything that we've been talking about over the course of the last year. Now, in light of all of that that we've been talking about, therefore, in our approach to church, let's be strategic in our outreach. Let's be intentional in our diversity. Let's be striving for spiritual growth. This morning, as we continue in that series, we're going to be looking at transparent connections. What does that mean? At Morrison Hill, we don't want to just be a group of people that occasionally see each other across the other end of the pew or on the other side of the room in a Sunday service. We believe that there's much more to this Christianity thing than just that. We believe that church was meant to be more than just a place that we come to, sing a couple songs, listen to a message, and then go home. We believe that church was meant to be a place that we connect more deeply to our Creator, and to each other. We believe that the Bible very clearly teaches that life was not meant to be lived alone. We long for and need other people, a community. We were designed for it, but we don't always want one, do we? Napoleon is famously quoted as saying, if you want a thing done well, do it yourself. We, we often have this same mentality, that we have to be the one to do it if we want it done right, or that we have to do it all by ourselves. I don't know if you struggle with this or if it's just me, but if I'm working on something, it's really difficult for me to give other people pieces of it. Like, it's really easy for me to give people pieces that I don't know how to do. Like, you don't want me to build something, because uh, if I build it, it's going to kind of look a little bit. So it's really easy for me to say, hey, could you build this for me? Because I know it's going to look better. But if it's something I'm good at, if it's something that I know how to do, it is really difficult for me to let somebody else join in with me on that. But when it comes to life, we were never meant to do this alone. Check out what God has to say in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. He says, it is not good for man to be alone. In the entire creation account, this is the only time that God points out something was not good. We were created to live in community. We weren't created to be by ourselves. Sure, there's times that we want to be alone. And for some of us, there's more of those times than others, right? There's introverted people and extroverted people, and there's people that want more of their quiet. There's all of that spectrum. But even with all of that, we weren't meant to do all of this by ourselves. Some, certainly things that are easier. 
certainly things that we would like to do on our own, things that we don't want to wait for somebody else for. But as a whole, we weren't meant to do this alone. We literally need each other. Not just want or it's a really good idea, but we need other people. If you look through scriptures, there's no way around the fact that we are created for a communal living. We're created to have people around us. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it reminds us that we were created to meet together. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day of drawing near. In James chapter 5, he reminds us that we're supposed to pray for each other. Verses 13 through 16 says, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing the songs of praise. If any of you is sick, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered with faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. In Galatians chapter 2, we're told that we're supposed to carry each other's burdens. Verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Carrying out what Jesus told us to do includes bearing with each other the burdens that we have. You can't do that by yourself. Be literally, quite literally impossible, right? In 1 Thessalonians, we're told that we're supposed to encourage each other. Verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. In Romans chapter 12, we're told to care for each other's practical needs. In verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Have you ever heard the expression, people don't know, uh, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care? Often we are shouting this gospel to people and we're, we're telling people how wrong they are and that they need to turn from their sin and they can't hear that message because they have so many other needs and things that are blocking that out. And we're supposed to be carrying each other's burdens and we're supposed to be meeting each other's physical needs not as the end goal, but so that they would hear a message of hope and of love. We're supposed to warn each other about sin. No one likes this part, right? No one wants somebody to come up and say, hey, listen, I, I don't know if you noticed or not, but that thing that you're doing, like, that's bad. That's wrong. You need to get… But we're scripturally commanded to warn each other about sin. First Thessalonians chapter 5 says, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. It is not a command to go out into the world and say, wrong, 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 oh, that's bad. But it's a command to make sure that people know about Christ and know about our need for a Savior, and there's no way to know about a need for a Savior without knowing that there's something wrong and that there's something off. And it's our job as believers, it's our role in the church to help to see that not in a holier-than-thou kind of way, and certainly shouldn't come in a you're wrong and I'm right kind of way, but as a checks and balance for all of us. 
We're also supposed to rejoice and mourn with each other. Romans chapter 12 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. It's really easy for me to celebrate with somebody who's happy. I could do that. I could shout. I could be loud. It's harder for me to weep with somebody who weeps because I'm not a crying person. I don't know if anybody else is this way, but like somebody's crying and you just kind of go, like, I don't know what else to do. But we're supposed to be with each other through the good and the bad, the right and the wrong, all of that stuff. We're supposed to be there alongside of each other because if you've ever gone through horrible time, and you've had to do that all by yourself, the burden and the struggle that comes along with that. And the opposite is true. Have you ever had like something really awesome happen to you and you just want to celebrate with somebody and tell, and there's no one to talk to. We're supposed to be there to mourn and rejoice with each other. The Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians that we are one body made up of many parts. The whole second half of chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians talks about this body that has all these different pieces to it, like somebody might be the eye and somebody's a hand, and you have these different roles and everything, but we together collectively make up one body. Maybe sometimes you aren't the part that you'd like to be, but we all need each other. We all have different gifts, different talents, different abilities, and God designed us to live together in community to collectively as one body working together, each using their gifts and their talents and their abilities to benefit the whole. Uh, Again, I'll use the example of me being uh, almost incapable of building something. Sometimes you need something built, right? Sometimes you need something sung. You don't want to hear me sing either. I, I made sure that this, I, I am sure that the sound person had me on mute during the singing, right? But I made sure this was off just in case. Like, we all have different talents and different abilities. And if we were just by ourselves, you would be very limited to just those things and miss out on all of the other expanse of things that are out there that you can't do. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, Solomon reminds us why it is better to have someone with us than to be alone. He says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. It's pretty clear that we're not meant to live alone, that we need each other. So why do we still press on by ourselves? Why do we still act like we've got it all? Oftentimes it's pride. Pride tells us that we can do it all by ourselves. I've got this. I don't need anybody. I'll take care of it. I would venture to say that most of us don't like to think of ourselves as being too proud to ask for help. We like to think that. But a lot of times we absolutely are. We, we, we don't want to go to anybody else. It's, it's almost seemed as weakness that we have to go and ask somebody for something, right? We, we, we've kind of portrayed it as, well, if you can't handle it, then there's something wrong in you. When really that's never usually the case. It might just be that you're just not good at something. It might just be that you don't have that resource and you just need somebody to come alongside of you. Psalm chapter 10 explains 
that the proud are so consumed with themselves, they have no room for God or anything else. Psalm 10, chapter 4 says, In his pride, the wicked does not seek him, does not seek God. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. We, we get so focused on what we can take care of that sometimes we even exclude God from the picture, not just other people. We're like, no, I've got this. I'll take care of it. In our pride, we think we can handle all of it. Solomon, in his writings, also warned us about letting our pride get in the way of being a part of the whole. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. When we say we've got it all, when we say we can handle all of it, we're, we're looking towards just ourselves, whether we're trying to hold on to some reputation or some view of ourselves of being uh, infinitely capable, we're not concerned with the body and the whole, but just with our peace. Maybe I'm the only one that feels that way sometimes. Maybe I'm the only one that struggles with this. I know I'm definitely preaching to myself. You can ask my wife. I am horrible at asking for help from somebody. I'm like, no, I'll handle it. I'll take care of it. No, you just relax. I'll... Meanwhile, I'm like bouncing from one side of the room to the other, taking care of all these things, and there's people just going, do you need something? You want some help? Can I take care of that for you? Like, no, 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 I got to. Why do we do that? Why do we think that we can handle all of it by ourselves? And even if we can, why don't we just let somebody come alongside of us and help? We can get so caught up in trying to do everything that are ourselves that we forget to include the people that are around us. Sometimes forget even to include God in the picture. I don't need anybody else. I don't need help. I, I don't need to talk about it. I just need to do it. We put so much burden, so much stress on ourselves, more so than we needed to if we would have just included the people that are around us. If we would just remember that we weren't meant to do it by ourselves anyway. God has surrounded us with people that He's given other gifts to and other talents. Most of you guys know that my wife and I have a, a young daughter. Uh, if you haven't seen her yet, you've probably heard her, especially out in the atrium that has that wonderful echo. She has gotten to that age, and if you're a parent, you remember this age, I'm sure, of I can do it all by myself, even though she very clearly cannot. Whether it's reading a book or putting on her shoes, getting dressed, whatever we want to do, she has to do it by herself. It's so frustrating. It's like, listen, we've got like two minutes to get in the car and we've got some place to be. And she's like, I got it, I got it. And she wants to dress herself. Or it's time to, to lay down to go to sleep. And, you know, you have like that routine that you go through with kids. And so one of that for us is reading a book. And like, you want to read a book? Yeah, and she'll bring you a book and I'll open up the first page and I'll start to read. She's like, no, 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 no. And she'll take it from me. And she'll go, she can't read, right? Like she's, she's just over two, and I think she's incredibly smart, but every parent thought that about their child, right? But she can't read yet. Sometimes she has little pieces memorized, but she's not reading the whole story. It's adorable sometimes and frustrating at the same time. 
And I wonder how many times God is looking at us and doing the exact same thing. Looking down and going, why are you doing that? By your, you know I can do this for you, right? Like, did you know that there's this person I put in your life that are literally standing right next to you that can do that so much faster and so much better and it won't make such a huge mess? And we just, no, no, I got it. I got it. I know I can't do it yet, but I got it. It, being a parent will, I've been told repeatedly, will reflect so many of the bad things in your life that you didn't notice before, right? And that's one of them where I go, oh, why do I do that? Is, is my wife or my coworkers or the people around me feeling that same frustration where I'm like, no, no, I got it, I got it. And they're going, no, you so don't. But sometimes we just don't see it in ourselves, do we? I know that she's at a developmentally normal age for that, right? But it's so frustrating. I could get it done so fast. It's so much better to want to do all of our things by ourselves, for ourselves, even when we know we can't. It can be really difficult to humble ourselves to the point of asking somebody else for help. For, for some reason, we see humility as a negative thing. Attempting to counter this outlook on humility, C.S. Lewis once, uh, once wrote, humility isn't thinking less of ourselves, it's thinking of ourselves less. Humility isn't thinking less of ourselves, it's thinking of ourselves less. We don't have to have a negative outlook on ourselves in order to be humble. We don't have to have this mentality that you must be weak to have to ask somebody else for help. But rather, we need to understand that not only do we need other people, but they need us. We need to let go of the pride that tells us that we could do it all ourselves. Author and theologian Andrew Murray said it this way, pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. Pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. Love that quote. We need to put to death our pride, our idea that we've got it all handled and we can do it all ourselves and we don't need anybody else if we're ever going to be filled with the things of heaven. We need each other. We weren't meant to live alone and we really can't. As a whole, we've, in, we've embraced this idea that it's all about us. Right, that we could do it all by ourselves. We don't need anybody else. E- even the army a number of years ago embraced this idea in their uh, recruiting campaign of an army of one. How ridiculous is that? Right, like who is terrified of an army of one? Right? Like, oh, we're going to war. Um, it's you this time. Go take care of it. Like, hey, uh, yeah, President so-and-so, yeah, we're, you know, we're tired of all that stuff. We're going over there. We're going to fight you. I'm sending my best soldier no one wants an army of, like, you don't, you don't feel confident and go, I've got a whole army of one person right here. But we have so embraced this idea that it's all about the individual and it's all about us and we can handle it and we are the supreme when it never was meant to be. We even do it in the church. I, I don't want to be offensive, okay? So uh, please hear that I don't mean to step on toes but have you ever heard the expression, or maybe you've said the expression, well, my faith is a very personal thing. It's just me and Jesus, and that's all it's about. 
hear me clearly, we have an incredible gift that we get to communicate through prayer and in the name of Jesus with the creator of the universe. But when we think that it's only about us and him, we're missing so much of the picture. We say, well, my relationship with Jesus is just a personal journey. No, it's not supposed to be. If it was, why would he have established the church in the first place? There wouldn't have been any point, right? He would have just said, hey, listen, there's this book here. Just read it, and then you and I talk about it, and it'll be fine. It's not in the Scripture anywhere. Don't give up meeting together. Bear one another's burdens. Keep each other accountable. Call out sin. Carry each other through your celebrations and through your mourning. Be together. You are one body with, made up of many parts, all following the same one. Nothing in Scripture tells us that this is about us and Jesus exclusively. It's about us and Him. We weren't meant to do this by ourselves. We're meant to be connected. And connection is more than just being here, right? Like, it is amazing. It's awesome. We celebrate when we walk into this room on a Sunday morning and we see all these smiling faces here with us. But just being here isn't being connected, right? Uh, you, could, you could come in here on a Sunday morning come through the front doors or a side door, sneak in as service starts, and sneak out right as the last notes are playing. And although we'd have some great people that would make every attempt to try to make sure you couldn't, you, you could sneak in and out and not have to talk to a single person and not be bothered. Like, you could just do it by yourself, right? But that's not being connected to the body. That's not the intention of what we're supposed to be doing. You could come in and out without a passing thought if you really tried. But you need more than that. We need to understand that the church was meant to be more than just a place we occasionally attend. If you look at any recent studies on church attendance, uh, a regular attender now is, uh, is noted as somebody who attends twice a month. A regular attender is twice a month. In our fast-paced society where everything is competing for our time, everything is competing for our attention, we seem to just slip from one thing to the next, but not really connecting with any of them. We were made for community. And quite honestly, we can't do this without you. It's not just some encouraging, nice thing that, uh, that I wanted to say to you, like, oh, no, we just need you. It literally, we need everybody together working as one, or we couldn't do what we do as a church. For the time you walked in this morning, you had a, a welcome team that hopefully, you know, opening the door and greeting you and smiling, right? You had somebody handing you a, uh, a bulletin as you walked in this morning, asking you how you're doing this morning. You had a whole team of people up here leading us in worship this morning. Right now, in, the, in Kids Central, there are people uh, in charge of our nursery and all of our uh, younger members of the church all the way up through fifth grade are in there in, in classes and, and learning and being taught. Uh, if you come uh, to anything with our student ministry, we have an entire team of people. Like, it's not, I'm the student minister, I'm the youth minister, but it's not just me. Right? Like, I literally could not do 
my role without the team of people that I have around me. The children's minister couldn't do that role without their team. John couldn't do without. We have teams of people that are collectively doing this and are getting connected together so that we can carry out the mission that God gave us as a church. We could not do what we do without you. And we could not reach the town that we live in, that we're called to reach with the gospel without people connecting together, going deeper, and moving as one body. I worked at Olive Garden while I was in uh, college. The, most of the time that I was at Johnson Bible College, I worked at the West Knoxville uh, Olive Garden, and I loved the job. But one of the things that stuck out to me as a company, and still does, was their uh, fo- now former catchphrase of, when you're here, you're family. Do you remember that campaign that they had for a while? Uh, they've since moved on to other catchphrases and other taglines and stuff. But as a company, one of their values still is to make everyone feel like family. They're very intentional about that idea of connecting with people because they saw that need. Now, they did it from a very financial uh, business mindset, right? Like, if I can make you feel like family, you'll come more often. Like, their, their intentions are different. But why don't we do that together in the church, right? Like, we are the family of God, like we are part of God's family, and you might not like everybody in your family, right? Like you understand this biologically too, right? Like you not necessarily like everybody, but you love them, right? We are supposed to be part of God's family. All throughout Scripture, we're referred to in this familial sense. John chapter 1 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Romans chapter 8 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also be glorified with him. Ephesians chapter 2, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Galatians chapter 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might be received as, receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. We are called the children of God, the adoptive sons and daughters of God, the heirs of the kingdom, the family of God. It it sounds super cliche and borderline cheesy, but when you come into the church, you should feel like when you're here, you're family, because we are. Everyone in this room that claims Jesus as Lord and is submitting to His authority are sons and daughters of the King brothers and sisters in the family of God. As a family, we want to, we need to get and stay connected with each other and with the Father. In order to foster transparent connection, we need to understand a few things. 
We want to make sure that we're clear, like the church is not a secret society, right? Open communication is a key to healthy relationships. There's no secret handshake to join. There's no clandestine meetings that you have to be a part of. Yeah, there's, there's meetings, and sometimes you won't be at them. Let me say this as least offensively as I can to the rest of the people that serve as leaders in this church. You're not missing some great thing, right? Like when you're missing out on one of these meetings that you, didn't, you weren't at, it wasn't because you're not loved or you're not invited. It just happens to be that you weren't in that role, right? And you don't have to be at everything uh, in every meeting. You didn't, we weren't having some secret thing that we were planning out, something that you'll never know about. It's just meetings to plan the role that you're a part of, right? We're not a secret society. We're a body of believers who are part of the family of God. We also believe that what we say is what we do. Jesus references during the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, right, when he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. No need to swear an oath. No need to uh, do all this other. Just do what you say that you're going to do. As a church body, we're striving to do that, that if we say this is what we're doing, then that's what we're doing. Church is not a spectator sport. Like I know not everybody is a sports fan, but for the most part, we have a general idea of sports, right? Church is not something that you should sit on the sidelines and watch what's going on. It's not intended to be a spectator sport. We're intended to be involved and be a part of and take, uh, take our role in the church. James chapter 1, he says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he'll be blessed in his doing. We're not supposed to just come and listen. We're supposed to be a part of the body, connected and working together. So I say all of this fully knowing that we are imperfect people and that we will fail at that. There will be times where you feel excluded, not intentionally, but just because. There will be times where you thought that we said one thing and didn't follow through on it, or maybe, unfortunately, that we literally said one thing and, and didn't follow up on it. And that's not intentional. It's not the way that we want to act, but we are imperfect people, and sometimes we're going to fail but we're striving to fail forward and fail trying and not be satisfied with just sitting back and going, well, we just won't do anything so we won't fail at it. We are a body of imperfect people. Like that old expression, if you find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it, right? Like we're, we're imperfect and we're going to make mistakes, but we are striving together as a body that even when we fail, we fail forward and fail trying. Because the goal is connection, not perfection. Yeah, we're trying to draw closer and nearer to God and the process of sanctification and Him making us more and more like Him. We're striving to be a part of that. But together as a body, we know that perfection is probably not the goal we need to seek because it's a pretty lofty, nearly impossible one for us, right? So we're striving to connect together to use all of our talents and our gifts 
together as one body to connect with the Creator and fulfill and carry out the mission that He's given us. I'm really thankful that connection, that connection is the goal and not perfection, right? Because there's not many days that I go without messing something up. I hope you feel the same, not just about me, but about yourself, right? And if, if perfection had to be the mark that we had to make as a church in order to be doing it right, we'd never make it. The goal isn't that. Just to be connected together and use who we are and who God's created us to be and what he's given us to carry out his kingdom work. As the, as the band comes uh, forward, as the worship team comes to uh, lead us again in worship, could I draw your attention to where we're supposed to be going? We're not supposed to come in and say, all right, I, I am dressed as nice as I can be. I've got my best smile on my face. No one knows about my sin or my imperfections or anything going on in my life. I'm at church. I'm just going to fake it till I make it, and we'll get back in the car, and then we'll yell and scream at each other again, right? If, you, uh, if you've ever watched, it's so fun in a parking lot uh, to watch, like, family vehicles driving up, and you can hear the, and see, like, the, the body language of all of the, you were running late this morning, that's not what I told you to wear, I can't believe you made that mess, all that other stuff, and there's like all of that tension going on, the doors open like, hey, good morning, how's it going? No, everything's perfect. Why do we do that? We all know that like we're not perfect people, right? Like we all know that we mess up, and then we walk in here and go, no, I didn't. We are a body of imperfect people, granted amazing gifts and talents from our Creator, who has called us to live together, connected as one body with one purpose, serving one God and doing work for one kingdom. And we want to invite you to join and be a part of that. So this morning, if you, if you need to know more about this Jesus that we're talking about, if you want to know more about this church body thing or being a part of the family of God, come and find one of the elders or one of the, one of the ministers somebody that you know in the church that you just know that they go, come and talk to us. So we want to invite you to be a part of this thing that God calls His family and His church so we can all be working together, connected as one. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for loving us. You know that we're imperfect people, and yet You still love us, and You still call us, and You still allow us to be part of Your family. So, Lord, we submit at your feet that we offer all of who we are and what we have for your kingdom purposes. We ask that you fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.